Section number 26 of Optics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Smith A.J. Optics by Isaac Newton. Book 2. Part 3. Propositions 8 to 9. Proposition 8. The cause of reflection is not the impinging of light on the solid or impervious parts of bodies as is commonly believed. This will appear by the following considerations. First, that in the passage of light out of glass into air there is a reflection as strong as in its passage out of air into glass, or rather a little stronger, and by many degrees stronger than in its passage out of glass into water. And it seems not probable that air should have more strongly reflecting parts than water or glass. But if that should possibly be supposed, yet it will avail nothing. For the reflection is as strong or stronger when the air is drawn away from the glass, supposed by the air pump invented by Otto Gruyer, and improved and made useful by Mr. Boyle, as when it is adjacent to it. Secondly, if light in its passage out of glass into air be incident more obliquely than at an angle of 40 or 41 degrees, it is wholly reflected. If less obliquely, it is in great measure transmitted. Now it is not to be imagined that light at one degree of obliquity should meet with pores enough in the air to transmit the greater part of it, and at another degree of obliquity should meet with nothing but parts to reflect it wholly, especially considering that in its passage out of air into glass, how oblique soever be its incidence, it finds pores enough in the glass to transmit a great part of it. If any man suppose that it is not reflected by the air, but by the outmost superficial parts of the glass, there is still the same difficulty. Besides, that such a supposition is unintelligible, and will also appear to be false by applying water behind some part of the glass instead of air, for so, in a convenient obliquity of the rays, suppose of 45 or 46 degrees, at which they are all reflected where the air is adjacent to the glass, they shall be in great measure transmitted where the water is adjacent to it, which argues that their reflection or transmission depends on the constitution of the air and water behind the glass, and not on the striking of the rays upon the parts of the glass. Thirdly, if the colours made by a prism, placed at the entrance of a beam of light into a darkened room, be successively cast on a second prism placed at a greater distance from the former, in such manner that they are all alike incident upon it, the second prism may be so inclined to the incident rays that those which are of a blue colour shall be all reflected by it, and yet those of a red colour pretty copiously transmitted. Now if the reflection be caused by the parts of air or glass, I would ask, why at the same obliquity of incidence, the blue should wholly impinge on those parts so as to be all reflected, and yet the red find pores enough to be in a great measure transmitted. Fourthly, where two glasses touch one another, there is no sensible reflection, as was declared in the first observation, and yet I see no reason why the rays should not impinge on the parts of the glass, as much when contiguous to other glass, as when contiguous to air. Fifthly, when the top of a water bubble, 
in the 17th observation, by the continual subsiding and exhaling of the water grew very thin, there was such a little and almost insensible quantity of light reflected from it that it appeared intensely black, whereas round about that black spot, where the water was thicker, the reflection was so strong as to make the water seem very white. Nor is it only at the least thickness of thin plates or bubbles that there is no manifest reflection, but at many other thicknesses continually greater and greater. For in the fifteenth observation the rays of the same colour were by turns transmitted at one thickness, and reflected at another thickness for an indeterminate number of successions. And yet in the superficies of the thinned body, where it is of any one thickness, there are as many parts for the rays to impinge on as where it is of any other thickness. Sixthly, if reflection were caused by the parts of reflecting bodies, it would be impossible for thin plates or bubbles at one and the same place to reflect the rays of one colour and transmit those of another as they do according to the thirteenth and fifteenth observations. For it is not to be imagined that at one place the rays, which for instance exhibit a blue colour, should have the fortune to dash upon the parts, and those which exhibit a red to hit upon the pores of the body, and then at another place where the body is either a little thicker or a little thinner, that on the contrary the blue should hit upon its pores and the red upon its parts. Lastly, were the rays of light reflected by impinging on the solid parts of bodies, their reflections from polished bodies could not be so regular as they are. For in polishing glass with sand, putty, or tripoli, it is not to be imagined that those substances can, by grating and fretting the glass, bring all its least particles to an accurate polish, so that all their surfaces shall be truly plain or truly spherical, and look all the same way, so as together to compose one even surface. The smaller the particles of those substances are, the smaller will be the scratches by which they continually fret and wear away the glass until it be polished. But be they never so small, they can wear away the glass no otherwise than by grating and scratching it, and breaking the protuberances, and therefore polish it no otherwise than by bringing its roughness to a very fine grain, so that the scratches and frettings of the surface become too small to be visible. And therefore, if light were reflected by impinging upon the solid parts of the glass, it would be scattered as much by the most polished glass as by the roughest. So then it remains a problem. How glass polished by fretting substances can reflect light so regularly as it does, and this problem is scarce otherwise to be solved than by saying that the reflection of a ray is affected not by a single point of the reflecting body, but by some power of the body which is evenly diffused all over its surface, and by which it acts upon the ray without immediate contact, for that the parts of bodies do act upon light at a distance shall be shewn hereafter. Now, if light be reflected, not by impinging on the solid parts of bodies, but by some other principle, it's probable that as many of its rays as impinge on the solid parts of bodies are not reflected, but stifled and lost in the bodies. For otherwise we must allow two sorts of reflections. Should all the rays be reflected, which impinge on the internal parts of clear water or crystal, 
those substances would rather have a cloudy color than a clear transparency. To make bodies look black, it's necessary that many rays be stopped, retained and lost in them, and it seems not probable that any rays can be stopped and stifled in them which do not impinge on their parts. And hence we may understand that bodies are much more rare and porous than is commonly believed. Water is 19 times lighter and by consequence 19 times rarer than gold, and gold is so rare as very readily and without the least opposition to transmit the magnetic effluvia and easily to admit quicksilver into its pores and to let water pass through it. For a concave sphere of gold filled with water and soldered up has, upon pressing the sphere with great force, let the water squeeze through it and stand all over its outside in multitudes of small drops, like dew without bursting or cracking the body of the gold, as I have been informed by an eyewitness, from all which we may conclude that gold has more pores than solid parts, and by consequence that water has above forty times more pores than parts, and he that shall find out an hypothesis by which water may be so rare, and yet not be capable of compression by force, may doubtless by the same hypothesis make gold and water and all other bodies as much rarer as he pleases, so that light may find a ready passage through transparent substances. The magnet acts upon iron through all dense bodies, not magnetic nor red-hot, without any diminution of its virtue, as, for instance, through gold, silver, lead, glass, water. The gravitating power of the sun is transmitted through the vast bodies of the planets without any diminution, so as to act upon all their parts to their very centres with the same force and according to the same laws, as if the part upon which it acts were not surrounded with the body of the planet. The rays of light whether they be very small bodies projected, or only motion or force propagated, are moved in right lines, and whenever a ray of light is by any obstacle turned out of its rectilinear way, it will never return into the same rectilinear way, unless perhaps by a very great accident. And yet light is transmitted through pellucid solid bodies in right lines to very great distances. How bodies can have a sufficient quantity of pores for producing these effects is very difficult to conceive, but perhaps not altogether impossible, for the colours of bodies arise from the magnitudes of the particles which reflect them, as was explained above. Now if we conceive these particles of bodies to be so disposed amongst themselves that the intervals or empty spaces between them may be equal in magnitude to them all, and that these particles may be composed of other particles much smaller, which have as much empty space between them as equals all the magnitudes of these smaller particles, and that in like manner these smaller particles are again composed of others much smaller, all which together are equal to all the pores or empty spaces between them, and so on perpetually till you come to solid particles, such as have no pores or empty spaces within them, and if in any gross body there be, for instance, three such degrees of particles, the least of which are solid, this body will have seven times more pores than solid parts. But if there be four such degrees of particles, the least of which are solid, 
the body will have 15 times more pores than solid parts. If there be 5 degrees, the body will have 1 and 30 times more pores than solid parts. If 6 degrees, the body will have 60 and 3 times more pores than solid parts, and so on perpetually. And there are other ways of conceiving how bodies may be exceeding porous. But what is really their inward frame is not yet known to us. Proposition 9 Bodies reflect and refract light by one and the same power variously exercised in various circumstances. This appears by several considerations. First, because when light goes out of glass into air as obliquely as it can possibly do, if its incidence be made still more oblique, it becomes totally reflected. For the power of the glass, after it has refracted the light as obliquely as is possible, if the incidence be still made more oblique, becomes too strong to let any of its rays go through, and by consequence causes total reflections. Secondly, because light is alternately reflected and transmitted by thin plates of glass for many successions, accordingly, as the thickness of the plate increases in an arithmetical progression. For here the thickness of the glass determines whether that power by which glass acts upon light shall cause it to be reflected, or suffer it to be transmitted, and, thirdly, because those surfaces of transparent bodies which have the greatest refracting power reflect the greatest quantity of light, as was shown in the first proposition. End of section 26